Welcome to the PropTech Podcast. It's Kylie Davis here and I'm delighted to be your host as we explore the brave new world where technology and real estate collide. I passionately believe we need to create and grow a sense of community between the innovators and real estate agents and sharing our stories is a great way to do that. Now the aim of each episode is to introduce listeners to a PropTech innovator who is pushing the boundaries of what's possible and to explore the issues and challenges raised by the tech and how they can create amazing property experiences. And my guest in this episode is Peter Matthews, CEO and founder of Realtair. Now, Pete has a long history in real estate as an agent. He's a very successful principal of a group of offices. He's had time as an exec in a big real estate franchise, and he still gets on the tools and before COVID-19 isolation could be found optioning properties most weekends. So Peter really knows the pain points that agents experience in their day-to-day running of, you know, listing and selling. And his tech solution, Realtair, is an extraordinarily powerful tool in how it addresses that pain. Now, as Peter explains in this episode, if agents can streamline and standardise the processes in their businesses, it frees them up from the soul-destroying admin and allows them to deliver much better services. So this is an extremely positive and inspiring episode of the PropTech podcast, where Pete also talks about how isolation has forced us to embrace innovation and what the restart is going to look like. So restart, reboot, I love that we need to start thinking about that. So here to tell us all about it, Peter Matthews, welcome to the PropTech podcast. Thanks for having me, Kylie. No, my pleasure. So Pete, we always start off with um, your elevator pitch. So tell us what is the elevator pitch for Realtair, short and sharp? Um, so uh, Realtair is a middleware platform which is designed all around the sales transaction space. Um, so we basically, uh, through a series of products, um, work with um, the sales transaction between appraisal through to settlement. Um, in that, there's about 267 processes and we have uh, three products primarily, which is uh, pitch, sign and flow. Actually, in the fourth product is auction now. And what we do is that we create efficiency and transparency in that space, um, provide a lot of cost savings for offices because we save a bit of time with all that, and we push and pull information between incumbent software systems to make that um, a very easy change management process for offices and salespeople. Cool. So let, let's pull some of those products apart and talk about the problems that each of them specifically solves. Yep. Okay. So so basically, the I guess with Realtair is that we're, we're trying to, after my experience as a franchisor, as well as owning um, a number of franchises myself, um, we just we're looking we were looking for ways to try and find better efficiency in the process. So we couldn't find a software program that did everything in that space. So we actually decided to write our own. And there's a longer story that goes to how we arrived at that. Mm-hmm. But we ended up with three principal products, um, which was Pitch, um, and and then which is a proposal platform, digital proposal, um, Sign, which is Sign on Glass Agency Agreement and Contracts, and Flow, which is all the back office and administration side. Um, and we arrived at all that because we just we had the same problems that every single business has, is that you've got lots of resource costs, you've got disconnected software systems, and you've got, um, you know, agents that um, are pretty stayed in their ways. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> so that was our problem. Um, and the solution was is to give them really cool tools um, that they're happy to use, that give them value, um, that they can use remotely, um, that don't disengage from the existing structure of the business software platforms that, that, are, that are incumbent in the office and actually then add value to um, 
the the resources inside of the business so that the transaction can be done a lot smoother. Um, but but mostly really is 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 to enable agents to give them mobile um, friendly, easy to use um, products that can help them do more and more business. So you described Realtor before as a middleware layer. Like, tell me a little bit more ab- about that. What does that actually mean? So, so middleware is basically a it's a, it's a so, middleware is just another software program that sits on top of other software programs. So, if you can imagine in a normal real estate business, is that you've got a CRM, you've got a data provider, you've got a sales trust system, you've got uh, a general account system, you've got a um, a marketing platform. So you've got a whole range of different systems and trying mm-hmm. to get them all to talk to each other is, is impossible. So what we do is that we sit as a layer above all of those and we push and pull information between those systems within that transactional workflow. So but those 267 processes, um, so we might engage with a CRM at one point, but we might engage with the data provider at the next. We might engage with a CRM next and then we engage with a uh, sales trust program following that. Um and, and that's the way that we do it so that we actually use technology to create, um, to needle all of those different software systems together to, to give greater efficiency to the process. So you're not replacing any of those um, pieces of technology specifically. You can still go in and out of those if you want, but what you're doing is creating an easier way to use them to do specific tasks. Is that right? Yeah, it is. So it's basically so that if you've got um, you've got people involved in process with software systems, and if you look at CRMs as a great example, like they are incredibly valuable and complex systems. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, is that you know they're they're a section or a part of that 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 um, transactional process, and then you've got so really highly complex systems like sales trust systems and things like that, which again complex again. Those systems don't talk, so we allow them to talk by mm-hmm. basically just. Um, going through that that consistent workflow of the sales transaction and as i said we just pull that information and push it so that agents don't need to read key information twice because no one likes doing that no no so what made you start realtor um we, we had i mean when i owned three offices um you know we had a centralized administration in, in in one of our offices and i had agents who were in the remote offices and when i say remote like they were two kilometers away from the central hub because uh, we're in Neutral Bay and that, we had offices, an office in Mossman and an office in Crowsness in Sydney. And um, and those agents basically thought that they weren't getting the same value from our resources centrally in Neutral Bay as, as they should have uh, right. by, by operating remotely. So that was why we started it. And we, we tried to look at all the different systems. We tried to do offshoring and through people at the problem. And then we realised that it wasn't really, wasn't it was just that we were inefficient in our process. And mm-hmm. we'd been trading for 40 years. So you'd think a business that's been there for 40 years was number two in in um in the ray white group um that we would know what we were doing and we thought we did but then when we looked at what we could actually do to um use technology available today to make that a much smoother process um and make it you know an easier process for agents as well as administrators um we realized that we could kind of piece things together but we then got to a point where we went no we're gonna have to build this ourselves and so we started with a project management software system which is jira Built mm-hmm. it out through that, got proof of concept, and then we went to zeros and ones and we, we built our own proprietary technology from scratch. Fantastic. So so why do you think these problems are such issues in the industry? Well, generally, and even right now, especially in these times of coronavirus. Um, if you look at a standard real estate business, and, you know, I've, 
as a franchisor, I dealt with probably over a thousand businesses. And the one thing that I realized is whether I was in in New Zealand, where I was there for a couple of years, or in in, in Australia as a as a CEO for Ray White for five years, every single business transacted property exactly the same way, but just a little bit different. The thing that mm. made it different was the leadership. The thing that made it different was the people that they hired in those roles. And some were more complex than others, but principally it was the same. The thing was is that um, if if you asked any of those businesses to give you a copy of their documented process of how they transact that um, that sale, there would be lucky to be less, there'd be less than 1% of people that could have actually done that for you. So what would happen is, is that every business has the same problem, is that people come and go from the business and that has an impact then on that sales transactional um, flow because mm-hmm. it all becomes very much about what the new person brings to that process where they say, well, in my office, we did it this way. And then all of a sudden you get a completely different iteration of how things are done, which makes it yeah. difficult for recruitment. Got it. So so by using a pro a platform or a middleware platform like Realtair um, and, and all of the different elements of that, what are the benefits? How much time and money can a typical office save? So the, the main um, benefit is, is that, you know, you, it's, it's, a, it's time and the only way you can get a financial benefit out of that is if you actually reduce your resource costs because where, where the greatest saving in all of this is, is is really in time. So if you save time but you don't then apply that time to building your business, well, then you don't actually grow and you don't save anything. If you have extra time and you just relax and you don't um, – um, uh, you don't replace those resources that you've got. The same thing applies. P- point being, I guess... Or redeploy those resources, I guess, and get them doing something else. Yeah, that's right. And I guess you look at what's happening in the market today where you've got a lot of resources who um, had um, a lot of skills in in um, administering sort of sales transaction. And as those sales transactions are getting less and less, they've actually got to be redeployed in areas where they can actually help in the revenue generation side. Um so I look at, um, say, Pitch as an example. Like an, an average agent um, would do probably eight proposals a month mm-hmm. um, when they're using our platform um, because they're not actually um, having to give that information to someone and then get that person to then... Interpret it. Yeah, interpret it, approve it, do all those sort of bits and pieces. They can save an enormous amount of time um, because it means that the information that they're putting in is easy. Um, they can put that information in themselves. They only have to do it once. They don't then have to rekey into the uh, CRM. And if you did eight proposals a month, you're probably saving at least 12 hours um, in, in preparation for pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, for sign, if you're listing two properties a month, you're probably save, saving about the same time, um, you know, between eight and 12 hours. Um, and flow is where the real value comes in because that's the whole back office administration because there's a lot of automation. You're saving about 64% of your uh, back office uh, time savings, which is about twenty-seven hours a month. Wow! Wow! So, so what's the end experience like for a property seller or or even a buyer if they're using the Realtor products rather than the traditional ways? So, so we've got we've got probably two consumer products: Pitch and Sign and Flow. Really, uh, I guess front facing offer the most value for agents because it does uh, create um, you know time savings for them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, pitch, I guess it is from, from the customer's perspective. They get a digital proposal. They get a pre-list within two minutes. They can get a full proposal within eight minutes. So I guess the speed of the agent uh, to be able to send through that, um, you know, really well put together uh, content in that period of time is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. I think for an agent to be able to sign contracts and 
uh, agency agreements and all other documents that require a signature through sign um, is, is an impressive thing for a customer, particularly in this day and age in, in, in no contact. Yep. And in terms of the back office for flow, um, the, the owners probably don't really see too much of this value except in our consumer product, which is called Home Passport. Um, and Home Passport is like a flow, a, a back office um, collection of details, information and communication for the customer. So the customer actually gets access to a portal where if you, as you know, Kylie, somebody is listed property with an agent, they normally give you an agency agreement, they give you a copy of the marketing calendar, you know, they might, um, you know, they might, you get your contract from your conveyance, so you put all that into a manila folder and you bring that out when you meet with the agent once a week. Yeah. What we do with Home Passport is that we create that in a digital file for the, for the owners to be able to access themselves where every single component part of that transaction is recorded and stored in that digital file. And that's right down to photos, floor plan, copy, agency agreements, contracts, marketing calendars, every bit of communication that the agent sends, including vendor reports, is all augmented in one space so that the seller can keep that, find easy all those documents really easily and access them from any uh, mobile device anywhere. So does that include all of the devices that are in the house, like the, you know, the who supplied the remote control on the garage and what sort of air conditioner it is and all that sort of stuff? That, that, that does. Um, there's a couple of things Home Passport does. We give uh, Home Passport. Home Passport's got a mechanism for the owner uh, pre-sale to actually add all those um, minute details that are really interesting to a very interested buyer but mm. not really going to make it into the marketing um, suite of, of content. Or when you do actually settle and then you find that you can't remember the code for the <laughs> security yeah, system. Exactly. Like and, you know, it's like, uh, you know, every True story. Like, <laughs> yeah, make sure that you tell uh, the buyers that we, we got the whole place rewired three years ago and that, um, you know, that the, we've got a saltwater chlorinated solar heated pool. You know, those sort of things are important, but they're just not key. They're not key attraction points for the marketing. But what they no. are is really, really critical for the buyer. So, so that content the seller can load, that creates a data set. When the buyer exchanges contracts, we open up a portal for the buyer, which is an exact replica, obviously without the private information for the seller. Mm-hmm. But it becomes a, um, a, a, a dossier, a data set, um, a logbook, if you will, of, of that property. And that's able to be continually populated by that buyer post-settlement. Um, and we're also in, in uh, discussions with Pexar to integrate with, uh, with them so that mm-hmm. we can actually create... Um, visibility over the exchange to settlement process uh, connecting into their system, which means that the agent's got, you know, greater uh, understanding of what's happening in that process as much as the seller and buyer do, which is um, which will be a really cool thing when we get that um, connected. That, that's fantastic because um, I, it's, it's one of those things that I don't think we focus enough on in the industry. Like we worry about getting the sale done, but in fact for a buyer and a seller post-sale in between, in that gap between okay, I've sold it, but now I have to settle it. Like you can really drop the ball as an agent there if you don't sort of manage that post process just as carefully as you manage the sale. Oh, 100%. You, you can have- so stressful for everybody. The best result on the planet, um, you know, you, you celebrate with this huge sale under the hammer. Everyone's really, really happy. Six months, Six weeks goes by. And after spending four weeks in the pocket of the seller pre-sale up to the auction, you then might not even engage with them, you know, twice in that six-week period. You might yeah. have staff that do that, but it's not the same. No, and no, no. 
you've got home passport where you know you can create communication points and contact points mm-hmm. um you can um be aware of exactly what is going on not just in your own business but but knowing what's going on outside particularly with the settlement um but it, it actually becomes a really strong re-engagement point for the agent and i think that frankly that solidifies the deal not just for the seller but also for the buyer because whilst you've been in the vendor's pocket for the four weeks prior to the exchange You've only known the buyer maybe for a week or two. You might have had two or three inspections, so you don't know them intimately. No, but they're the ones that are turning up with the check. (laughs) That's letting everything else happen, right? (laughs) Sure. They're the people that then become the new owners of that property. So, you know, know, it's always the thing, you know, you start as you mean to go on. Um, If you start in a very ad hoc way, which is the traditional way, and it's not not by design, it's just by default. Yeah. but we then use technology to change that so that we can actually get off on the right foot, then we add value to that relationship and hopefully, um, you know, a good agent will use that opportunity to take that further so that that relationship can be enhanced. So, that- Well, the person that has just bought the property is ideally the person that you're putting into the into your lead bank for someone who's going to sell through you in eight years' time or, you know, however long after, after they've finished living in that property and, and are ready to move on Yeah, if you if you manage it properly, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing yeah. that, um, you know, it shouldn't be, you know, there's, there's you know, instantaneous self-gratification when it comes to sales normally. But if you look at take a leaf out of a property manager's book where you've got to maintain a relationship for a long period of time, um, you know, with landlords, um, the same sort of thing really, you know, is, is clearly evident in top-performing salespeople is that they recognise that, you know, today's buyer is tomorrow's seller. Absolutely. You know, eight years, if you're in this industry and you're a good performer, eight years goes by in a flash. And, um, you know, it's not just that business. It's also the referral business that will come from from that relationship. Yeah. I I see so many agents um, throwing away buyer referrals by just not looking after the person that bought the property properly. It's crazy. crazy. It's crazy. And then spending so much money on marketing to try and churn and burn more people. Anyway. Yeah. So you've got to pay for it one way or another. You might as well um, create repeat business. Absolutely. And that's yeah, the yeah. the closer relationship you can have with that the new owner of that property, the more chance you have of securing their, their, their business yeah. in the future. So what's your business model, um, Pete? I know because I know that your your you know, your pitch flow and uh, what's the last one? Sign, sorry, pitch flow sign. The the three of them you can use them independently or together, is that right? Yep. So, yep. so as, as a as a middleware platform, even though we've got our own products, we will integrate with with anyone. If it is that um, you know, the, the whole thing about technology is it's all as you'd know, like it's all about collaboration. Yep. And you know, I think you know, particularly you know, in startups, it's it, it's hard because you can't integrate with every single person as much as you'd like to because you've only got a limited sort of bandwidth and and personal sanity. Um, but you know, the thing is, is that. From our end, whether it's uh, someone might just use Sign, uh, Sign on Glass technology for agency agreements and contracts, they might just use Auction Now, which is a new um, product to our suite of products for online auctions and timed auctions, um, mm-hmm. or they might just use Pitch. Um, but I mean, we'd like them to use all of them. But at the same time, too, we're comfortable if there's any, say, somebody was using a, an incumbent proposal platform. Um, that's okay if they wanted to use our sign on glass uh, products, and yeah, they could, as an example. So, yeah, we're happy to, to work with 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 any other provider. It's um, I think it's important that from an agent's perspective, is it you know, as I said before, 
you know, they don't like change a lot. So if they find something that they really, really like and we can make it work for them to be able to uh, plug it in and yeah, play. Plug products in without them having to do any additional work, mm. uh, that's a good outcome for the customer, the agent. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit more about Auction Now. So Auction Now, um, so Damien Cooley, um, probably one of the best auctioneers in the country, he created Auction Now. Um, mm-hmm. Damon and I have known each other for probably 20 years and, you know, over those 20 years we've, we've talked sort of on and off about doing things together and, you know, this this sort of was a discussion that we started probably, I think it would have been probably about July last year or something like that. And what the reason for that was is that um, being an auctioneer myself and having, um, you know, used, um, you know, I guess auctions as part of my main marketing strategy as an agent as well, mm. I... I and then, I've seen you in action. Yeah, you've got a few, <laughs> a few. But you know, the, the thing is, is that having um, technology, I, I, I was with Damo. Like it was something that had to happen. You needed to have an online auction platform. Now that's become really, really important in this environment for no touch selling. But um, I didn't. None of us knew that at the time. Um, it has been very, um, very busy as a consequence. But yeah. what was really attractive about Damien's system wasn't just the online auction and the fact that you know he he is incredibly um uh compliance anal um so it's it's a very well prepared system yeah and the fact that he's, he's done about ten thousand auctions through that platform over the last two years but the other thing that was really interesting for us was the fact that there's a timed auction component to that where there's mm-hmm. for the, the agent to choose not a live auction um, but actually to choose a timed auction. So it's like having the ability to take the current private treaty negotiation and put that into a really transparent process like it is at auction, um, but put that into a digitised, transparent process and have a deadline in place and still create an unconditional contract at the end. And that was the thing that I really thought was attractive about auction now. Fantastic. So you said he's done, what, about 10,000 auctions over the past two years? Yeah, yeah. Through yeah. The yeah. So I'm curious to know how many thousands over the past two weeks. Oh, geez. Well, probably, <laughs> actually, it's probably the last three weeks. So if we go back to about the yeah. second week of March, yeah, uh, that's when things got crazy. And then it went crazy when the Prime Minister said on a Tuesday night at, at about 9.56, yeah. there's no more in-room auctions. Yep. Um, so that, not, not, that, <laughs> not that that time or moment is scarred anyway in your, in your, in your psyche. Just have to ask my family. Um, they thought I'd disappeared. But, right. um, but it's been good because, I mean, what, what's been amazing about that is, is that um, there's probably been about a 1,000 properties that have been put through the system. So that's huge in, in, in that period of time. Um, you know, we've got some support from some big offices like McGrath that put all their auctions through the business, which is great, and some other big companies. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that I found really just incredible is that, you know, you talk about the resilience of our industry um, and all the participants within it, you know, the principals and the admin people and the agents and the property managers and everyone else. Um, and you see what we're, we can do as an industry when we have to and how we can mobilise yeah. like we did. I mean, yep. look, we had a platform that was ready to use, but just we, we probably trained, you know, over a 1,000 agents um, and admin people to understand the system. Um, for them to be able to articulate that to buyers, to get them to a position where they could actually register and, and bid online for property, like within 24 hours of that, you know, the Prime Minister's um, decision, um, was just remarkable. And, you know, you know we're, we're 
it's, it's a forever process, I guess, when you're in technology, as you would know. But um, I'm just really excited about what that's going to translate into. We've already you know, done some product enhancements, which we needed to do, um, just purely based on volume. But we've also got some terrific feedback from agents about what they would like to see. And there's been some terrific stories that have come from that and some great successes out of the hammer. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. So, so you've also taken – so you, I saw an announcement uh, that you made recently uh, that you're working with Lee Woodward on that training component. Tell us a little bit about that. So that, that, that looks like it was all done, you know, in, in <laughs> COVID-19, um, but that was two years in the process. Um, Lee and I have known each other for about 20 years. And the thing that I, I, I knew was a weakness for our technology, um, as it is for every bit of technology, is, is that it, it might be really, really good. But if no one knows and no one knows how to use it and use it properly and use it to its, its, its full advantage, um, then, you know, it'll never prosper to its full potential. Mm-hmm. And Lee is probably one of the best, you know, industry leaders where he's very process-oriented. And because our system is is all about processing the transaction and making that easy for every resource involved, um, Lee's involvement um, to be able to articulate and train that and onboard customers for that was just a no-brainer. So, you know, we had to get a few ducks in the row and that's why it took a little bit of time. But um, as it turned out, it all came together at the right time. And, you know, he and his team have been a, an invaluable asset to, um, to the growth of Realtor. And I imagine he's been pretty busy <laughs> the last couple of weeks. Oh, he's onboarding he's in the studio. I'm not joking. Every day, yeah. he he's got an amazing work ethic. Um, I had to change my do not disturb times on my phone, um, which were, by the way, from 5:45 till 9 p.m. Um, I'm, I'm available outside of those times. I was not available. Um, when Lee came on board, I had to increase um, the time that I was going to be available in the morning. Um, in advance of 5.45 because he's an early riser uh, and he gets inspired early. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> um, he has done some amazing – he's probably done in the last eight weeks, I think he's put together about 200 videos, webinars, podcasts um, to talk about not just our products but about, um, you know, what, what it means to be a digital agent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, it's truly incredible, um, I mean, the, the capacity that he has to create incredible, um, easy-to-digest uh, content that agents actually do understand, but yeah. also, too, to be able to um, clearly articulate the why. So it's not just about the what, but why. Why are we doing this? And, you know, why is it important? And, and more importantly, I think, too, for the conclusion of, you know, COVID-19, is it, you know, why we're doing this is, you know, not just for now, it's also going to be for the restart um, because yeah. that looked very, very different, I think, than what it did when um, when it finally does stop at some point. Yeah. So so tell us a little bit about your growth trajectory. How long have you been doing this for? So we, we've, we've been incorporated for about four years, but yep. we, um, we've only really been in the market probably for about 18 months. And that... Um, it's been a hell of an 18 months. Yeah, it has been. The last six months <laughs> have been pretty crazy. And as you know, in any startup, it's, it's you know, you've got an idea and ideas are really, really, really important, but they're not worth, worth anything unless you actually get, you know, you financially get behind it and back it. Mm. And it's a really hard thing because you, you, you're punting, you don't earn any money while you do this and you're, you're putting all your money and effort into it because it's something that you absolutely have got true, real conviction in. Yeah. And, and like you, you know, I see things in the industry and you say to yourself, well, look, how can I make that better? 
how can I create something that's going to make a difference to the industry? And mm-hmm. for us, you know, we what we realised really, really early is, is that we might have some terrific ideas that we can execute and create some terrific products, but the day that those products are perfected is the day that our business is over. Mm-hmm. So our trajectory is only going to continue as long as we continue to um, strive for perfection, knowing that we'll never get there because we've just got to keep evolving as we go. So how big are you, Pete? Like give us some something that we can help us get our brain around it how many staff or what's your turnover or what like what what are you comfortable telling us um probably not turnover because that's not impressive but um, (laughs) (laughs) i mean look um those things take time particularly with subscription revenue but um what we we've got about um 70 people employed in the company now um is a lot um we've got we've probably got near three and a half thousand Agent customers, they're about fantastic. Yeah, that's good. That's very impressive. Every state, um, soon yeah. to be in New Zealand as well. Um, but you know, I don't really know those numbers. I'm just having a guess at those because I mean, yeah. the thing I, I, I look at, um, I mean, I know that we do a hell of a lot of um, pitch proposals each month, and we do uh, we do an increasingly huge amount of um, uh, agency agreements, and we just launched sign on glass contracts, which is been incredible. Um, but then the auction now side of it too. Just thinking about that, I mean that's that's been an amazing growth trajectory and a really challenging thing to do. But um, yeah, you know, I, I always I always think that you know it's I always used to think with auctions, which I still do today, that you're only as good as your last auction. So we're only as good as our last pitch. We're only as good as our last online auction. Mm-hmm. I never take any of that for granted. But um, we, we hope to serve as many people as we can, and hopefully, um, you know we don't have to worry about our customers because our customers enjoy being our customers because of the products and the services. That's yeah. I guess the best outcome. Yeah. So, so you took part in the Inman Connect Las Vegas um, startup alley last year. How did that go? Like, are you, are you still looking at expanding into the U S or are you, are you focusing more now on Australia and New Zealand? Um, no, we've, um, it's, it's funny you say that because, you know, like even today, um, the last couple of days, there's been a bit more, thrust into that so from you know that we're only a few uh, cubicles up from you guys um but it was crazy it was it was so i think as australians that the u.s really enjoy the fact that there's innovation that comes from australia and so for startup companies in the prop tech space to get an exposure at inman is is a really valuable thing to it's super fun it's the best thing you can do oh wasn't it i mean look, yeah we um we were not in any position and to do anything um but we did we went there for the pure reason to say well look let's work out what we've what we've got wrong for the u.s market yep and, and as it turned out we could have you know we had a, a grand total i think it was 89 businesses that employed four thousand agents that expressed interest in in our product Mm-hmm. Um, which was really made me feel good. It didn't earn us any money, um, but it did give us great insight into the fact that, you know, that the markets in Australia and the US are coming increasingly closer. They're not going to be the same, but they're getting they're getting more similar each, each year. And, you know, these sort of tools, like the tools that you've got um, with Real Content and Home Prezzo and, and the tools that we've got with Pitch and Sign, you know, they're, they're things that, that are transferable and scalable in the US. So... We've we've had several conversations with um, you know in, industry players over there that um, that are, have got interest. I mean, it's it's a long way away, but it's a it's a it's an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. So so let's also so you're also a director on the board of the REI New South Wales. I'm curious to ask you what role you think institutes should be playing in prop in the prop tech conversation in Australia. Well, 
what can they do? What should they be doing? Like, where's your head around that? I think um, you and I will share this view. I think we can do more in that respect. I think the thing is, is that we, at an institute level, you know, what our obligation is, is first and foremost to our members. And the thing that, that, that every institute has always been a, a little bit careful of and maybe a little bit too careful is mm. reviewing products and making recommendations on those products because, you know, the REI brand is a really valuable one and if it is used um, inappropriately, um, then that's that's not good for the whole industry. I do think that there's a lot more interest from the REIs across the country to understand how tech can be applied um, that can benefit not just the agent but all the, all, also the consumer mm-hmm. because I think that's where the big disconnect is, is that, yeah. you know, we, we've got some really great tools for um, agents, um, how does that impact the customer? And like we were talking about before, like with Home Passport as an example, and even now with online auctions, um, how can we make that experience for the customer a more enjoyable one, um, a more accessible one, and probably a more transparent one? And I think that if, as, as institutes, if we look at both sides of that value proposition, both the member side as well as the consumer side, and make decisions around what we don't necessarily need to back, but at least say, hey, we've looked at this, we endorse this and, and talk to this person. Um, as long as it's got those two key elements in place, um, particularly around the transparency, um, I think that's going to be something that the ROI is going to have to look at, as well as compliance. I think that's a huge, huge problem um, that I think technology can solve um, You know, a, a great deal of those issues. So do you think the REI should be endorsing some of the tech or do you think they should just be making it, making the conversations around it more accessible to, to members and the community? Look, I think the thing is, is that, you know, as you know, with the, with the REIs, it's made up of, of you've got employed people who have got specific roles and generally speaking, they don't, you know, they're not for profit, so they don't have big salary packages for people to be able to review um, appropriately like tech suites mm. so you're never going to have somebody who is going to be overarchingly be able to say hey i've done a complete review of this and this works great yeah on the top of that too you've got a board of people who volunteer their their time and it's a, it's a big commitment um yeah. who might be fantastic business principles but also don't necessarily have that that technical expertise so i think in some ways th- there's got to be a point at which um you know an institute can't um um i guess overarchingly endorse, but I think can provide um, the members with um, a little bit more shape as to what they think would be a reasonable proposition um, and let the members know about that. I think that's an important thing, but I do still think that it's got to be, as long as it's evaluated on, that it, you know, does it add value to both sides of the equation? Because if we can, as an example, get the compliance side of it right through some, some good tech, yeah. And we can, we can take away the, con, the consumer perception that, that dealing with an agent is, is not necessarily a clean transaction or a clear transaction. And we can say, well, here are the rules of engagement. It's auditable and it's, it's the same for every buyer, as an example, um, that engages with the platform um, like it is with auction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think stuff like that will go a really, really long way to giving consumer confidence. And if the REI is to look at those technologies and say, well, look, you know, can we stand behind those and maybe get them independently evaluated, then I think there's, there's a real opportunity for the REIs to... I, I think that's a really excellent point, isn't it, is that the, the more that prop tech can bring transparency and clarity to 
both the process and the the places where you need to, you know, key decision points and and provide information into those points, the the more secure people feel about dealing you know, the dealing in the space, which is which is the kind of complaint most people have is that they just don't understand what's going on and it's a big transaction and they're terrified that something will go wrong. Yeah, and it's true. Yeah. I mean, you, you think about you think about yourself as a buyer. If you if you're doing going and walk into a in any any office and 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 negotiate a sale by private treaty, like as an example, you could do. You could be, I could engage with one agent in an office and have one experience. I can engage with a different agent in the same office and have a completely different mm. experience. Mm. And that, that's that's pretty hard to understand from a buyer's perspective. And then you've got the same that applies on the selling side. Um, and, and that's, I think, that, you know, there's, 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 there's a lot of technology options that are available that give a lot of clarity and uniformity to that process. And if um, that's what the thing that I'm probably the most interested in is that if it is that we can improve that, um, that transactional mindset where we can go, okay, well, let's make sure that everybody in the equation knows that there isn't about, you know, closed-door activities and things like that. It's completely open and, and, and fair, much like it was when, you know, auctioneers and, and agents were required to register bidders and bidders were supposed to and do today put their cards in the air that created mm-hmm. you know a lot of disruption to the industry and there was a lot of people who said um, this is going to really kill auctions but it didn't it actually improved auctions because it put trust back into the process um, and that's I think that it's that sort of stuff that I think you know um, we at the institute can look at and say if, if we can create that sort of scenario from, from a, a tech play, then that's something that we should be, you know, we should be seriously looking at and, and potentially saying, look, this is something that we will endorse. Mm. And, and I love that because I feel like we've come completely full circle because, you know, we started off this interview with you telling me that, that what Realtair did really was create structure and consistency around the the flow of the, of the transaction of the deal. So, <laughs> so nicely done. Um, so normally at this part of the interview, Pete, I would ask you what the next five years holds for the real estate industry. But I think given the times that we live in, and you mentioned a couple of times about the restart. So I'd really love to hear, which, and I love that as a phrase, this idea that after COVID, there's going to be, what does the restart look like? So what do you think the restart's going to go? Gonna, how's that going to go? Oh, look, I, I think that, you know, every, every cloud has a silver lining and I think that this is the opportunity for the industry to, to, to genuinely restart because we will not um, restart the way that we, that we finished. And if you look at business models as a great example where, you know, a lot of businesses have got, you know, resource-heavy businesses. Yeah. Uh, they've got, you know, high-value, uh, uh, you know, retail locations um, and they've done a lot of this because that was what everybody else has done. Mm-hmm. What, what's made businesses do, real estate principles, is to really evaluate their business and say, what, what do I need, not, not to what, what do I want? And I, I hope that on the restart that, you know, that agents and agencies will completely review everything, which I suspect that they will. They'll look at what they can put in place in their business that can add value to their operation I think they'll look at the things that they can put in place that can not just add value to the operation, but to the um, the transactional management of process, whether that's in property management or in sales. And I do think too that 
because now we've had this, you know, massive shift in in the way our normal life reacts. It's a massive shake-up. I really think, too, that we are going to become a lot more consumer-focused, and I think that we will be saying, and the smart agents will, the smart agents will definitely embrace this to say, how do we involve the customer more and how do we give the customer a better experience? Where before I think it was probably a little bit of lip service from from um, from the general population of, of agent mm-hmm. business. But now I think there's probably, you know, this sense of community. And I even think you look at it from a marketing perspective, you know, will will we market properties the same way that we used to? You know, if it is that there's a, a gross decline in, in stock volumes and then there's a sharp rise in stock volumes, well, do we go back to tradition? Do we do what we've always done? Um, because if we always do what we've always done, we'll always get what we've always had. Mm. So the industry's got a real opportunity to um, self-evaluate and say how can we become a better servant to um, the consumer by changing the way that we operate um, in our business and, and not just model but in the way that we deal with, with people. I think that's a real opportunity. I think the smart people will take advantage of that. Yeah, and I, and I think it talks too to this, you know, Real estate and property has had sort of what is 15, 16 year experience with technology. And what we've done is throw people, you know, and all it's really done until very recently is just make us busier and busier and give us more to do to manage the sort of tech side of it. And what we've done in response to that is throw people at it. And that's kind of always been our response, hasn't it? If if we haven't, um, you know, we throw people at the problem because we don't have the we don't have the processes in place that that help us automate stuff or keep the keep transactions consistent. We don't have the um, the technology in place to automate things. So so we always throw people at it. And what we've seen through COVID is that when you can't actually throw people at it, there's extraordinary, you know, there's some extraordinarily creative ways that can provide a same or even better service in some ways. That, that people do really value. I mean, I really hope that after this is all over, we don't just go back straight away to open for inspections um, and and drop all the virtual tours and the, and the video tours and stuff like that. I mean, yes, I hope we go back to open for inspections, but I hope we don't drop those things because not every potential buyer wants to spend their whole Saturday seeing 15 properties or 10 properties or eight properties if they can just focus on the three that they already know have real potential and in fact and and in fact the idea that you need to get you know 50 people through an open or 20 people through an open to prove to your buyer to, to prove to your seller that that you've done the work doesn't really hold true if you can show that yes but we've had all these online interactions with the digital tour or stuff like that so it's it's about really understanding the different metrics for for the consistency of the of that transaction does that make sense <laughs> I, I agree wholeheartedly. i'll get off my box <laughs> no, no, i'm with you 100 because i mean you think about that and you go look you know that that you know what was normal is now not normal we're in the new normal now yeah and hopefully that that will then morph into the way that we actually we do business. And I guess the, the element to that um, is that buyers have got access to more um, more tools to engage with agents and, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a really good thing because if it is that you talk to any buyer, first thing I ask a buyer when, I, when we sell a property to them at auction, first thing after I congratulate them, I say, do you mind if I ask you how long have you been looking? 
And most people, you know, can be looking anywhere from sort of three three months to two years. And I had one lady that was looking for 10 years. Oh, and, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like it's incredibly taxing. Anybody that's, that's searched for property that says that they enjoyed the experience bought very quickly um, because it's taxing, you know, the time, the energy, and, you know, time is money. And if, if we can, as an industry, uh, help buyers to save money, well, they might invest more money in buying the property that could actually have a positive impact on pricing. Um, equally, too, I think you look at information, and I, I think about the stuff that you guys do at um, Home Preso, like you put really good information in the hands of people and then they are better educated to make decisions. And that's one thing that we've been pretty poor at as an industry is being able to share that information broadly we've been very probably cautious overly cautious to share that because we've felt that it's been a threat where Mm. you know sharing and collaborating is a way to grow and it's a way to i think for our industry to actually grow up and when we when we hit the restart whenever that might be that might be in a few months or it could be a little bit longer i reckon we are it's it's a proper restart the restart will be it's a a reboot community it is it's yeah I can't wait, actually. I think that's the really exciting thing. It's a tough time now, but it'll be really good when it's over. Fantastic. So just to wrap up, Pete, what's what's the future look like for Realtor? You've been doing business at the speed of thought. How long, <laughs> how long is this going to go for? Um, well, look, you know, this is my 30th year in the industry and, you know, I've, I've been a, a franchisor, a franchisee, I've been a salesperson, I'm still an auctioneer. Um, I mean, I love this industry. It's my life. Um, I'm incredibly proud to be a part of such a, a great industry. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about the future because if it is, you know, with, with all the great um, technologies that are emerging, those that are incumbent that are just getting better and better, um, I think that as an industry um, we're going to really benefit from that. And I, I do think that COVID, whilst it's a bad thing, um, will be a positive thing at the restart. And for Realtor, I hope that we're right in the middle of that and I hope that we um, genuinely make a difference to um, agents. I hope we, and I know we can make a real positive difference to the, to the not just the cash flow but the real profit of a, of a real estate business. Um, and create positive business model change. Um, and I want to see that. I want to see that happen. And then I'll, I'd like to see consumers say, you know, that was that was easy. Um, I thought that was going to be really hard. And the last time I bought property a few years ago, it wasn't a great experience, but now it's a much mm. better one. And mm. I hope we can participate in that in, in whatever capacity. Um, that's what I hope for our business in the future. It sounds fantastic. Um, Pete Matthews, thank you so much for your time today on the PropTech podcast. I'm wishing you all the best. Yeah, thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So that was Peter Matthews from Realtair. And there's a new word to add to your Czech jargon arsenal of middleware. So I really came away from this conversation inspired. I'm full of admiration for Realtair and the suite of products that Peter and his team have created. I do love that it's not expecting you to move to another platform or do something differently. All it's doing is giving you more and better functionality from the technology you've already invested in. It's removing pain from that process and it's adding what's missing. And I love how Peter's made it really flexible so that you can just use the bits that you want if that's what you want to do and keep using the other platforms and programs that you're already using. And I love that Peter's thinking about what he calls the restart and what that's going to look like for his business. And I think that's how we all need to start thinking right now. Things are going to lift. And then if you thought you were busy before, 
Holy moly, tech businesses that make it through this downturn are going to be absolutely on fire. So check out Realtair if you're a real estate agent and let you know, let us know how you found their products of pitch, sign, flow and even auction now. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode of the PropTech podcast, we would love you to tell your friends or drop me a line either via email, LinkedIn or on my Facebook page. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts and now Apple iTunes. I'd like to thank my audio support, Charlie Hollands and the fabulous Jill Escudero and our sponsors, Smidge Wines, official wines of the PropTech industry and Homepreso, turning your data into amazing marketing content. And don't forget to access the free content that's available on their website. Thanks, everyone. Until next week, keep on prop-taking.